0: Expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT.
1: Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Mancone. Puppet theater has a long history in Taiwan. It started off humbly enough with performances played out on the top of trunks of traveling puppeteers. But it's moved on to bigger and bigger stages since then, making it to television and later the silver screen in the last 40 years. The popularity of the form is still going strong even now although that popularity has stayed mostly confined to the island. But on today's Taiwan Talk, we'll be speaking with one American expat who says he wants to take this traditional art form to international audiences by marketing an English-language version overseas. Matt Smith has been composing music scores for the Jingguang Puppet Theatre for years now as the managing director for Taiwan-based music production company Zoetrope Cultural Media. I spoke with him recently at ICRT. Here's our conversation. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. But Before we get to the work that you're going to be doing specifically, I was wondering if you could introduce uh, quickly uh, the company that you work with, Jingguang Puppet Theater. The man that's heading this theater, he's part of a puppeteering family in Taiwan, uh, but he's done a lot of things to update the form. So could you talk a little bit about that, the ways that he's updated it?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Stephen Huang, he's the son of Huang Junxiong, who is pretty much... A household name in taiwan he uh he is responsible for taking puppet theater from the traditional traveling puppet troupe from village to village format to the television format that it is currently airing in today he created a puppet show that was massively popular in taiwan had huge following and uh has now transitioned to his son steven who uh has updated a lot using uh, modern day CGI effects. He's using uh, modern musical scoring uh, techniques. Also the story is a lot more fast paced and uh, youthful. A lot more action involved. The choreography of the action is also Uh, much improved, so he's done a lot to kind of improve on the show and on the formatting. So
1: if somebody were to watch this now, they'd probably see something along the lines of uh, two long-haired guys with big swords and lots of, like, uh, fireball-type looking things flying in between them.
0: Uh, Yeah, you'll see some of that for sure. Uh, There's all sorts of weaponry, all sorts of different fighting styles, and a lot of mystical kung fu styling and things like that, so... You'll get a bit, bit of all of that.
1: So let's start with uh, how you yourself got interested in this form. Now, not to impugn it in any way, but I think a lot of our foreign listeners that uh, maybe aren't quite uh, so steeped in it, uh, on their first encounter, they might think to themselves, fighting puppets, uh, you know, <laughs> how do I get into that? Uh, so how did you get into that? To be perfectly honest, I had a
0: same type of uh, view of the show, of, of this uh, art form when I first saw it. Uh, I remember when I came to Taiwan and flipped on the TV and I uh, wanted to see what kind of TV do they have in Taiwan. And I started channel surfing and one of the things I came across was puppet theater and I was... Probably had the same reaction of a lot of expats and thinking, "What on earth is this? <laughs> what what have I walked into here?" Uh, I main, I maintained that type of uh, attitude for towards it for a long time. Uh, we started up a musical company, my wife and I, uh, doing musical scores for television shows and films here in Taiwan and in China as well. And my wife had the idea of working for Budai Puppet Theatre. And uh my initial response was somewhat standoffish. I had the same viewpoint of it as a lot of foreigners. And uh I was invited down by Stephen Huang to go see a live performance, not a televised performance, a live one that they were doing down in Gaosheng. And I went I watched it there and I was really blown away, uh not not only by the uh, puppetry, but the voice acting and the storyline, they had subtitles going on at this live performance. uh, They were Chinese subtitles. So I I had to read those. But uh, uh, I figured out the plot for the most part, and I was enjoying it. And they had a lot of I mean, not computer special effects, because this was a live live performance, but they had a lot of explosions on stage and lighting and lasers and all sorts of stuff going on. And I was completely captivated by what I was seeing. I wanted to see more. I wanted to know what was going to happen to the characters next.
1: Uh, so now let's get in a little bit more to uh, your project. So uh, explain this to uh, to myself and our listeners. What What is it exactly that you're planning to do? Uh,
0: what we're planning to do is take the show as it is right now, and we're going to translate it, put subtitles on it, and uh, distribute it to Western audiences. Anybody who is interested in watching I see, watching puppet theater.
1: So, what is that going to uh, entail? What do you think needs to happen to make it accessible to a foreign audience?
0: Well, uh, the method that we're using right now, we you know we thought a lot about how we were going to get this. Uh, done into an English format, and we are—I'm—I'm I'm overseeing a team of translators who are going through it, which is uh, quite a hefty. Hefty job. Uh, traditional Taiwanese is not an easy thing to translate into English. So uh, there's lots of poetry involved right. in I, puppet theater.
1: That's an important point. It's uh, yeah. it, puppet theater is usually in Taiwanese, not even Mandarin. That's
0: right. It's it, almost exclusively in Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so we we're taking it from Taiwanese and uh, translating it into English. After we do that, we have a writer in the U.S. who is uh, helping to update the language a bit, make it uh, nicer, more literary and style Mm. so that, uh, you know, it'll be more accessible to foreign audiences.
1: So the basic plot, the basic uh, who the characters are, their personality, uh, all of that you're preserving.
0: Right. We don't want to make a show for Westerners. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to... We want to keep... What Budai Shi is here. Keep the storylines, keep the things that have made it successful here in Taiwan, and just make it into English in a way that is accessible for foreigners.
1: Now, uh, kind of. Uh, continuing that thought that you were having right there. Uh, w- one of the things that catches my eye about this project is um, it seems like it's almost a continuation of this long process that uh, puppet theater has undergone in Taiwan in a certain way, just in the sense that over the last hundred years is, it, it's gone from this relatively traditional form that had somewhat more formal rules to it and more formal ideas about what it should be. And over the last hundred years, especially over the last 50 years, it's, it's become you know something that you can do on television. It's become something... Uh, that can be a lot of different things and mean a lot of different things to different people. And so how do you, how do you think about that in terms of um, what parts of this you're going to try to preserve uh, and what parts of this you're going to, ch- uh, you know, kind of make your own and make more available to an audience that might not be as steeped in Taiwanese culture?
0: Well, the things that we are trying to preserve, we're trying to preserve references to Eastern culture, to mystis- mysticism and kung fu and things that appeal to a lot of foreigners. Uh, On the other hand, there's certain references that people won't understand. Uh, And of course, we'll have to change that. And we'll have to adapt the script to that to make it something that foreigners will immediately be able to not only be interested in because it is eastern culture but they'll be able to
1: understand and won't be confused by it. Mm. What what kind of references would uh, be more confusing?
0: Uh, I mean there's definitely sometimes in puppet theater where they will they will talk about maybe obscure chinese historical references, mm. you know, uh, something that you know foreigners just won't grasp right away. So mm. we're going to have to you know find a way of either making a different reference to something that foreigners will understand or mm. Or, or to just eliminate that reference completely and change the script a little bit, you know. So, mm. I mean, there's a lot of uh, tweaks and things that need to be done to make it readily accessible.
1: Now, uh, a number of years ago, there was uh, another attempt to bring uh, Taiwanese puppet theater to uh, foreign audiences. Uh, somebody tried to do that on Cartoon Network, uh, but they weren't quite so successful. So what would you say that you're trying to do a little bit differently?
0: I mean, not to get too much into discussion of uh, competitors, but in that specific instance, I know that they completely reshot the show. They completely redid the script, and they made it specifically for a Western audience. Uh, And that's not the direction we'd like to take with it. Uh, We want to take what has already been successful here. We want to translate it into English. We'll have to do a little bit of tweaking on it, but we don't want to change the story structure. We don't want to change the culture of the show. We don't want to completely redo this. We want to take what we have and offer it to Western audiences.
1: Um, now, of course, there are a couple of things that are going to be a little bit more difficult to preserve. Um, I'm, I'm curious specifically about one of the one of the aspects of uh, puppet theater in Taiwan is that it's usually performed by one person, and one person is going to perform every single role. Uh, are, are you going to try to maintain that?
0: Well, in our initial project here, we're just working on subtitles. So, mm. I mean, we're not going to be changing that at all. And yes, it is true that it's been... Tradition in Taiwanese uh, puppet theater for one primary performer to act all of the voice roles, and they still maintain that tradition today. So uh, Stephen Huang, who is the the head of Jingguang Puppet Theater, he is the voice performer, and he does the voices for all characters. And we're talking dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of characters here in this mm. show, and uh, and they they range from old to young to male to female, all mm. sorts of characters. So uh, it's a quite a big undertaking for one performer to do. Eventually, when we move on to doing voiceover work in English, uh, mm-hmm. which is not something we're doing initially, but we do hope to eventually get there, we probably won't be able to maintain that part of the tradition. We'll probably get several for- several voice actors to do all the varied uh, parts i don 't think that 's something that nece- necessarily would transition well into an English version of the show so
1: <laughs> mm. uh, now another element that I think at least in Taiwan is really important in these shows is their use of language their use of Taiwanese. Um, you know, I don't. I don't speak any Taiwanese, but just from my reading, uh, it does seem like that one of the reasons that people connect with these shows is because how much personality they can get out of their use of specifically the Taiwanese language. Mm-hmm. Um, is is there any way for you to preserve any of that use of language or give that sense of of how language is being used uh, when you translate this?
0: Yeah, I. I mean, it's absolutely true that that Taiwanese uh, the language plays an extremely important and critical role in the show I mean a lot of audiences around Taiwan they watch it specifically for the use of the language of course it's impossible to completely grasp all of the specifics, the details, the intricacies of the Taiwanese language as we do a translation uh, we do the best we can but I think instead of you know grasping the beauty of the Taiwanese language, I think what we're trying to do in our transition to English is just to grab, to to at least grasp the beauty of language itself. So there's a lot of times where poetry is used within the puppet theater shows. Uh, we're going to try and make the language of the english also poetic in those places a lot of times when a certain character takes the stage in a in a puppet theater show they'll have a a short little poem or phrase that kind of marks their arrival on uh, on on set so uh we're going to try and capture that you know we're going to try and give them each one of these little poetic, uh, uh, you know, poetic sayings of their own. Uh, We're trying to capture as much of that beauty as we can. Of course, it's not Taiwanese, but it is a beautiful language is what we're trying to grasp.
1: Now, this is, you're probably going to have to explain this a little bit to me, but this is a a very uh, established storyline that you're going to be undertaking, I understand. How far back does this go? I mean, for example, uh, Jingguang Puppet Theater, they're... Two primary characters
0: are, I would say probably uh, Master Sue, uh, whose uh, name in Chinese is Shi Yanwen, and then uh, Mirror Man, who is Chang Jingren. Uh, these these two characters have been part of Taiwanese puppet theater culture for probably a hundred years. Mm. I, uh, Stephen Huang, who is the the managing director at uh, and the CEO of Jingguang Puppet Theater, his grandfather, Huang Haidai, was the originator of these characters. So that was a long time ago. And that was back in the days of traveling puppet troops, going from village to village at the temples, doing performances. He then passed these characters on to his son, Huang Junsheng, who was Stephen's father. Uh, And then Huang Junsheng was the one that was responsible for kind of making the transition onto television, taking puppet theater from a these traveling troops, and actually making it a televised art form. When he did that, people all across Taiwan became very familiar with these two characters and the other characters of Jingguang Puppet Theater. So uh, everyone, if you ask anybody over the age of 25, 30, they'll know who Shi Yanwen and Chang Jingren are. Everyone knows these characters. They're extremely, uh, they're extremely Critical to Taiwan culture, uh, everyone knows. Uh, at times, uh, Soyeon si Wen has been called one of Taiwan's greatest heroes. Mm. I mean, he's 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 extremely important character in Taiwan mythology. So, mm.
1: uh, so how do you bring? people that aren't necessarily so familiar with this and aren't steeped in this, uh, Ian, on that storyline. Yeah,
0: that's that's the tricky part because we're basically trying to jump in the middle of a story that's been going on for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Is there a perfect way of doing that? Not really. I, <laughs> there's not really a perfect way of doing it. So we're just doing the best we can. We found a, we found a series that maybe will make a very good starting off point for foreigners. Uh, as we are... Writing the English script, we're doing the translation, but we're always we're also trying to insert backstory, and so that people will have some idea of what's gone before. They'll have some idea of the relationship between these two characters, and they're not the only two characters. There's dozens of characters that have had storylines going on for a long, 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 long time. Mm. So. It's definitely a large undertaking, and it's something that's a little tricky, but I think we're doing a good job of making it so that people will be able to get acclimated and be able to you know, jump in.
1: And so that kind of leads to another question. When you think about how people are going to view this, do you think that they're going to view this as a cool show with a cool storyline, or do you think that they're going to view it as a Taiwanese show and re- a representation of Taiwanese culture and that's going to be what's going to interest them.
0: Well, I think expats in Taiwan might view it as a Taiwanese show because it's something that they've already had some amount of, you know, they've seen it they've seen reruns, old reruns on TV sometimes. So they view it as a Taiwanese thing. But uh as we push out to more general foreign audiences, to western audiences, I'm I'm hopeful that they'll see it for you know just being a wow this looks interesting it looks different than anything i've ever seen before it's got lots of cool action the storylines are great and i th- i'm hoping that they'll get involved because of that and because maybe i know there's a lot of people that are interested in far eastern culture and i think that this might be able to some be something that might uh, attract them
1: now uh switching gears uh, pretty significantly the original way that you got involved in this is through your uh, music production company Zoetrope Cultural Media and uh, so you were basically composing music for this uh, puppet theater. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the difference between you've composed for uh, like TV and, and, and uh, movies? Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between the process of composing for a puppet show, the, uh, one of these traditional puppet shows, or composing for, you know, something that we'd be more familiar with like film?
0: There's actually a very big difference between the composing for puppet theater and composing for traditional television shows or movies. And primarily because the production process for TV shows, normal TV shows and movies compared to puppet theater is completely opposite. Mm. When we compose for television shows or movies, usually we're just we're given a finished edited shot Mm-hmm. version of the show. Right. And then we see it with no music and we write music to what we see. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh we see someone falling in love, we write music for them falling in love. We mm-hmm. see certain actions on screen, we write music that accompanies those actions. Uh where puppet theater's done the opposite way. Mm-hmm. First they do the sound. Then they do images. So <clears throat> When they're when they're producing a puppet theater show, they the voice actor Stephen Huang he records all of the audio first. He records all of the lines. He does all the voice acting uh, right from the beginning. He edits in the music, and then they take that and they film the puppet actions to the. Audio that mm. exists already, so
1: they're fitting their uh, the visuals to the audio, whereas exactly. usually it's you fit the audio to the visuals.
0: Exactly, it's completely the opposite.
1: And how do you how do you feel that affects the way that you work?
0: Well, it, it definitely makes a big difference because when you see something happen on screen and you're writing to that. You've got some certain uh rules that you gotta play by you've got to get timing down right you've gotta make sure that you fit every little change in emotion that happens on screen you've got to fit that into your music. but when you're writing the music first, you can you have a little bit more freedom you've mm. got a little bit more playroom. you can take your time with certain emotions you can you know just you write the music the way that you visualize it. Sometimes when I'm writing music for puppet theater, I have to first come up with the idea of a scene in my mind. Mm. I mean, it might not be what it's eventually used for, mm-hmm. right? My music might actually be used for a completely different type of scene. But when I'm composing, I sometimes have to think of, okay, let's imagine this is happening, that is happening, and then suddenly this happens. Mm. What kind of transition in the musical sound will I have there? Mm. And I compose to that. And then after we write the music, we give it to Steven, and uh, he'll listen to the music, and then he'll put it to parts of the show where he thinks it fits emotionally. Uh, And sometimes he's even told us that the music that we write shapes his idea of what the show is going to become. Maybe he'll have a certain idea for a scene but when he hears a certain piece of music, he goes, ooh, maybe I should change the scene here because I think that would fit this song even better. So it's a little bit different.
1: Now, I think that somebody who's not necessarily familiar with uh, these shows might not know is that, you know, there's a huge quantity of work that's coming out. There's there's many, many episodes that are coming out throughout the year, and uh, they have... They don't repeat the music too, too much. Like, you're hearing a, also a, a vast quantity of music that's coming out. Is that right? That's right. There's,
0: We produce, for every maybe 30-episode arc that they do, we produce at least 60 new pieces of music that all average maybe... Four minutes in length, mm. all right, so uh we produce tons of music for this show for those that are familiar with anime, uh those of the audience that are familiar with anime, I know that when you watch anime you 'll often hear the same like love song appear mm. over and over and over, like they you mm-hmm. reuse it, but uh, in puppet theater they I mean, some things are reused, but not to the frequency of an anime. I mean, you've got, they've got such a vast amount of music that they use in the show. And the fans of the show really love the music. It's something that they collect. They always want to get the latest album, the mm. latest soundtrack, so that they can go back and listen to their favorite characters' songs. Mm. <laughs> so it's something that's really integral to the show. Mm.
1: So speaking of that album, you actually released one of those uh, real soon. Can you tell us about the latest album that you released?
0: Yeah, uh, on the 21st, just uh, not too long ago, the 21st of January, we uh, released our latest album. Uh, it's available. All of our albums are available at Family Mart. Uh, you know, they've got the Family album. Uh, little computer screen you go on there and you can order our albums there and and pick them up at the store so we release frequent albums and you can also pick up the show there it's Episodes are released every Wednesday at 5 o'clock, and you can just go up to the counter and say, I want the puppet show, and they'll, they'll hand, it, hand it to you.
1: <laughs> so anybody who wants to get a toehold in, uh, in this art form, that's the place to do it. That's the place to
0: do it, but I, w- I will warn you, if you can't read Chinese, you'll have a difficult time, <laughs> unless you're very good in Taiwanese. <laughs>
1: And uh, as soon as you uh, get that subtitled version out uh, and and eventually that uh, dubbed version out, you're going to let us know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. All right, perfect. Well, Matt Smith is the Managing Director of Zoetrope Cultural Media. Matt Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. You can also leave a comment on the ICRT blog, where we've posted a few links to articles about puppet theater in Taiwan. For ICRT, I'm Keith Mancone.